hour number two of the Bill Michaels Show, and welcome in to everybody on the network now. Glad to have you. From Tomahawk to Platteville, Green Bay, Menominee, Marinette, Shano, Clintonville, Milwaukee, Madison, Eau Claire, right here in uh, La Crosse, which is where I'm broadcasting from today at 96.7 FM WKTY. And uh, in the sports studio here, uh, Grant Bill's going to join us coming up a little bit later on in the program from lacrosse. So we'll have him live here in studio. But for right now, our buddy Mike Sco- uh, Mark Schofield uh, from SB Nation joining us on the hotline. Mark, how you been, pal? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be back with you today. So uh, let's start off with the assessment in your eyes of the Green Bay Packers taking on the Minnesota Vikings and the ugliness that was. Well, at first, I have to tip a hat in your direction because I was on late last week saying, hey, you know, I until I see it from Minnesota, I'm not buying in. I think Green Bay is going to win this game. And you pushed back saying you kind of like Minnesota in this one. And you were right. I mean, I think a couple of things stand out. One, you know, when the Packers have the football, there were some struggles in protecting Aaron Rodgers. He was under pressure early and often that game. You had the drop from Watson. And, you know, that's been a storyline, you know, pretty much all off season. how – Rodgers was going to get on the same page with these young wide receivers, was going to take some time to build some chemistry and a drop after a great route to work himself open. You know, probably not the start you wanted to see. You know, that on the defensive side of the ball, somebody, you know, got to cover Justin Jefferson at this point, seeing him run wide open against some zone coverage looks. You know, you wonder what happened there, what led to some of those breakdowns and big plays from the Packers' offense. But, I mean, excuse me, the Vikings offense. But, but you know, as I said here at the outset, it was a bit of a surprise to me, not what I expected, but certainly one of the results we saw this week that, that probably raised some eyebrows. The uh, the protection breakdown, I, a little bit I understand. I mean, Yash Nyman played uh, the majority of the season, obviously, for David Bakhtiari, so that was a little bit surprising. But uh, the fact that Jake Hansen struggled in pass protection and they did not make a move to go to Zach Tom until late in the ball game. Uh, and then kind of changed things up. That was a little bit surprising, wasn't it? It was surprising. I mean, you'd think, you know, a little bit earlier, some adjustments, some personnel changes, maybe, you know, getting some help for those guys and protection would have been what they would have done. It seemed like it took a while for that to materialize. You know, we sometimes see this in week one, though. You know, week one can sometimes be a little bit of fool's gold where, you know, teams go in with a game plan, but you're not quite sure how it's all going to come together. And it takes a little bit for those adjustments to make sense of the materialize. And, you know, obviously, you know, Coastal Florida and others, they'll learn from what they saw on Sunday and evaluate things going forward. But, you know, it could have these adjustments, these personnel changes, they probably could have happened a little bit sooner in that game. Maybe it would have changed the result, maybe not. But you'd expect to see some, something different going forward. So uh, I want to talk about some of the other games that were on the docket because there were some interesting games. First of all, what we saw in Cincinnati and the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joe Burrow throwing four picks, then they turned the ball over another time, five turnovers. No team is going to come back usually from five turnovers. It hasn't been done in a long, long time. Were you surprised at the attention to detail when it came to trying to fix that offensive line? It was so terrible last year at Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's sack was it five, six, seven times in that ball game, and then T.J. Watt now going down with a torn pectoral looks like he's done for the season. A lot of things going on there for the uh, well, the defending AFC champions. Yeah, a lot of things uh, from that game. I, you're right in that the offensive line was a huge storyline this offseason. We saw. Burrow go down, what, nine times against the Titans in the divisional round. 
And so, you know, we saw it. Hey, Leo Collins comes in a right tackle, Alex Kappa at center. They're, they're rebuilding that offensive line, but he's still under pressure early and often. And then there were some moments where, you know, you wonder if the appendectomy and a little bit of time off that Burrow had played a role because he had some throws. There was a seam route over the middle that was intercepted, the pick six early in the game with the Minka Fitzpatrick, where it didn't seem like there was enough zip on those throws, ball hands for a little bit, and particularly on the Fitzpatrick pick six. No, he's got the time and the ability to get under that road and, you know, return that for a touchdown. And so you wonder if that played a role. I think the Steelers' defense, that's going to be obviously, I think, what carries them this year. You know, they've got Mitchell Trubisky taking over. The Watt injury, that's something certainly to monitor. There's reporting out in the past, you know, 10 hours or so that maybe it's not a torn pack. Maybe he could be back. And so that's something certainly to monitor. But, Again, week one, right? We've spent all summer thinking, oh, the Bengals have rebuilt their offensive line. They're going to be able to protect Burrow. And what happens? He's under pressure. They have all these turnovers. And week one doesn't go the way we thought it would. The other uh, side note to injuries, Jerry Jones says today that they will not put Dak Prescott on the injury list or on the uh, IR because they believe he can come back in four weeks with a busted-up, surgically-repaired thumb. Is Jerry, like, taking some kind of drug that's euphoric that maybe we all need to know about, or maybe he's taking the advice of Aaron Rodgers and getting the teabag thing over on the beach where he feels a a hundred hands on him for love? What what is Jerry thinking? I mean, that's an extremely optimistic viewpoint because, you know, the hours after that injury, the initial reaction, the, the initial thought was, this is six to eight weeks. This is going to be, you know, a, a longer period that Dak Prescott is going to be out. They're going to have to make a move. They're going to have to add, you know, a Gardner Minshew or a Jimmy Garoppolo, a Tyrod Taylor. We've heard all those names banded above. This is a rather optimistic viewpoint. Now, maybe he's right. Maybe he's going to go down the Russell Wilson rehab where Wilson had the fractured thumb last year and rehabbed 20 hours a day somehow with you know, a massaging glove and things like that to get him back to where he was. But let's not forget when Wilson came back, he wasn't 100% right away. It showed he was missing on throws, and you could point to his fractured thumb as a reason for that. They might try to get Dak Prescott back. They might try to stay afloat for three to four weeks here with Cooper Rush, get Prescott back as soon as possible, and try to right the ship with him. But if he's not 100%, how good of a move is that? Because remember last year, Dak had the calf strain, and then he had that loss to the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day where he certainly could not drive off that right foot and finish throws. He was losing velocity as a result. Jerry might you know, be very optimistic in that they could get Dak back earlier rather than later, but that still might not be the best move for Dallas if he's not close to 100% of the impacts how he throws the football. You know, there's so many intriguing stories coming out of week one. The Bears in that just absolute downpour, getting the win and upsetting the 49ers. Justin Herbert looked like he just matured over the offseason, and they get a win over the Raiders. Kansas City, they lose Tariq Hill. They still have some weapons. They pick up a couple of guys like MVS from the Packers, and they just dismantle. Five touchdown passes for Patrick Mahomes, dismantle the Cardinals, who just paid their quarterback. And then, obviously, last night, the Seahawks, they ended up knocking, knocking off the Broncos. They take the ball out of the hands of Russell Wilson to give it to their kicker, misses the kick, game ends, they lose by a point. What was the most intriguing storyline this weekend for you that you really kind of focused on and said, wow, that one was really something that I want to grasp onto and pay attention to? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Kansas City offense 
with, with Patrick Mahomes. You, you mentioned Tyree Kill now down in Miami. There are a lot of questions about how they would manufacture offense. Would they be able to create explosive plays in the passing game? How are they able to go? How are they going to put points on the board with one of their best weapons not wearing a different uniform? And look, I, I think we've gone down this path over the past couple of years of perhaps, you know, grading Patrick Mahomes on a different scale, you know, because he is still one of, if not the best talent at the position right now. And, and the way he throws the football, the way he can break defenses down, not just with his arm, but with his mind. I mean, he had to throw on a cross and route. Travis Kelsey, where Kelsey's working right to left, and he's got to get it over two defenders and drop it in before the two deep safeties, and he just puts it in an absolute perfect spot. The way he can create with trajectory, with touch, with velocity, he is such a talented thrower of the football that, yes, Hill is now in Miami, but they can still create explosive plays. They could still carve defenses up in the passing game, and so you know that's certainly going to be one to watch. And you mentioned Justin Herbert. Those two teams play Thursday night. That is going to be an absolutely fantastic game. The first of two minutes between the Chargers and the Chiefs. And those two teams right now, obviously, both with wins. We expect that AFC West to come down to those two teams. We get to see two fantastic quarterbacks go at it on Thursday night. Monday morning, overreaction. Tuesday afternoon, overreaction. The Titans, they used Derrick Henry when he came off of injury. They fed him so much, they almost overused him. They did it again in the opener. And then Saquon Barkley completely outgains him and almost doubles him up, as a matter of fact, in that game for the Giants. Giants get a win 21-20. to uh, They said that uh, Derrick Henry is the modern-day Jim Brown. Is he still the modern-day Jim Brown? I'm not sure if he is, Bill. I mean, that's... Look, there has been a lot of carries and a lot of yards, and the reason why, you know, the economics of the game have changed with respect to the running back position is the wear and tear that gets put on that position. And Derrick Henry coming off of a, you know, he's been banged up. He's coming off of that. You know, is he one of the more feared, if not the most feared running back in the game right now? Yeah. I mean, you ask any safety who has to come downhill to try to stop him in the open field. It's not a place you want to be. But the modern-day Jim Brown, that's rather high praise, and I'm not so sure we can continue down that road. The Bills get that opening night win and just embarrassed almost to the, the Rams. They they lose, obviously, Von Miller. They lose OBJ. And OBJ probably would have been the MVP of the Super Bowl had he not gone down with the injury. Should we be shocked that the uh, the Rams look so bad, or should we say, you know what, everybody that bought into the Bills going to a Super Bowl, uh, that's the reason why? Yeah, I mean, I think this game, that game Thursday night was more about the Bills than the Rams. I mean, I think the, the Bills certainly lived up to the expectations, the Super Bowl buzz, and, you know, Josh Allen, again, you know, in that Herbert Mahomes category of just elite quarterback talents. But I do think that there are some things to monitor with the Rams. I do think that some of the losses on the defensive side of the ball, Von Miller, you know, he was playing for Buffalo Thursday night, certainly something to watch. I think the elbow injury with Matthew Stafford is something to monitor. It's not something where I'm going to, you know, wildly overreact to it right now, but some smart people, Nate Tice, who does great work for the athletic, who played quarterback behind Russell Wilson at Wisconsin, you know, and others pointed out that Wilson's motion at times Thursday night seemed a little bit different. Seemed like he had a little bit of a dip and a loop to it, a little bit more pronounced than we've seen in the past. Is there wear and tear on that elbow to the point where he has to adjust his throw in motion? If so, that's something to watch. Now, maybe these were isolated incidents and, you know, pressure up front or off the edges or something forced him to adjust his arm slot and his arm angle and his throw in motion. But if that continues 
and we see Stafford sort of a little bit more deliberate and a, with adjusted mechanics, and it's because he's compensating for an elbow injury, that will certainly be something to watch. You had mentioned earlier Tariq Hill, who obviously was the, the lead receiver for the Dolphins this past weekend. And the Dolphins, again, two of beats, uh, you know, Mac Jones and company in the New England Patriots, 20-7 to uh, for the AFC East. So give me your thoughts on Tariq Hill and how much pressure Tua now has. Because the argument was always, Tua's good, he could be a lot better if he actually gets the weaponry. Now he has the weaponry. How much pressure is on him to put that team into the postseason and really vie for the top spot in the AFC East this year? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Tua. I mean, because, you know, similar to some of the situations like, say, Philadelphia and what they put around Jalen Hurts, they've put the pieces around Tua at this point. Jalen Walker, Kill. you've got an offensive-minded head coach who, when he was hired, said that his job was to get the most out of Tua, get the best he can out of Tua. That's a lot of expectations to live up to. And, yes, you know, they beat New England, get to 4-0, I do think in watching that game and rewatching that game, a lot of the story from that game was more New England's offensive struggles and how they're very inconsistent on the offensive side of the ball right now. You had the strip sack fumble touchdown. You had some other inconsistencies, an early interception from Matt Jones, which potentially took points off the board. Two is going to have to be a point guard, spread the ball around a little bit, get it out quickly, let guys like Waddle with the fourth and seventh touchdown that he had, and obviously Tyree Kill create. But there's a ton of pressure on him because Miami is in a position where they're fully in the evaluation mode of Tua. Is he going to be the guy they build their franchise around and continue to have operate their offense, or do they go in a different direction at the quarterback spot? Real quick before I let you go, the uh, the other story coming out of the weekend was the fact that the, the Ravens and their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, have broken off talks. And Lamar Jackson, $250 million, he wants it all guaranteed. Now, we know that a Sean Watson deal – uh, really kind of set this all in motion because it wasn't you weren't giving guaranteed money except for with the Vikings with Kirk Cousins and that was only ninety million, not two hundred and fifty. Is this going to become the new norm that all the quarterbacks are going to expect all their money guaranteed? And if so, what does that then do to the rest of the league? Because I know owners when they when that Deshaun Watson deal came out, owners pulled their hair out, going, "What in the hell, Jimmy Haslam, are you doing over there?" Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. This is going to be the contract that every next quarterback looking for the deal is going to point to. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, like those are the three next quarterbacks that we expect to be in line for long-term contracts. And they're going to use the Watson contract with all that guaranteed money as the starting point, you know, because we know how the economics of quarterback deals shift over time, like the next one. And then the next one, those are the ones that get, you know, more and more money along the road. And so that's what Lamar will point to. That's what Herbert and Burrow will point to. So, I think that is going to have an impact on every single quarterback evaluation and quarterback negotiation that plays out over the next couple of years. Do I think that the Lamar Baltimore situation has a you know negative ended? I don't think so. I, I think again, as I've said before, this is a team that built their roster around what Lamar does. And I think Lamar is worth a big dollar contract with how he plays the game, but that Watson contract for every next quarterback, that's going to be the starting point. Mark, great stuff as always, buddy. Great to talk some NFL with you. We'll do it again real soon, okay? Sounds good, Bill. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Mark Schofield. He's with SB Nation joining us on the hotline. Uh, Great stuff. So many storylines in the NFL. So many storylines in the NFL. 
from this past weekend. I mean, the Browns go in and they expect the, the revenge factor to take effect with the Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield. And instead, the Browns walk away with a 26-24 win. The Saints, who many pick to be the dark horse to win a Super Bowl, barely escape uh, the Falcons in 27-26 there. We talked a little bit about the Bills. Obviously, the Eagles knocking off the Lions. Lions coming out with a lot of hopes this year, thinking on hard knocks, kind of becoming fan favorites. And the behind-the-scenes look a little bit. The sensationalism of TV. And, uh, and they ended up getting beat 38-35. The Colts and the Texans tying the tie on opening weekend at 20 apiece. So we had mentioned the Dolphins. The Commanders get a 28-22 win over Jacksonville. Jacksonville with Doug Peterson trying to rebuild that program and put it back on the right track after, after Urban Meyer completely just kind of destroyed that whole thing. We talked a little bit about the Ravens, the Giants, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks. So many tremendous stories coming out of this weekend of the NFL. Just absolutely positively love it. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at New Mail Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin, well beyond the borders as well. If you have it, you know it. If you're a partner of somebody who does, you know it. I'm telling you, give them a call. 414-455-4451. They can help. 414-455-4451. Now, if you're moody, if you're sluggish, if you're tired, you can't tired, you can't figure out, you know, I just don't have energy to get out of bed anymore. I want to go work out. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. Could be just a low T. If you're over the age of 30, it takes you just a few minutes. Go in and get your uh, numbers checked. Be good to go there. Anywhere in the state, by the way, or beyond the borders. If you got one near you and you're in Minnesota, you're out in Vegas, you're in Chicago, whatever it happens to be and you're listening to the program, one phone number can get you anywhere. 414-455-4451. But but if you're looking at yourself in the mirror right now and you're going, God, I need to shed some weight. I need to take off a few pounds. I want to look better, feel better, maybe uh, get a little more spring in your step. They have an all-in-one weight loss program as well, and it works, and they can help. 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. That is the New Mail Medical Center. Coming up bottom of the hour, Grant Bills out here at WKTY Sports and the Wisco Sports Show are going to be joining us talking more about the Screen Bay Packers team and their fall in the opening weekend. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I tell you what, uh, man, I was looking at some of the footage. Now, I left for uh, Minneapolis uh, early, early, early Sunday morning, and I left in a, in a downpour. And I know that the rain, specifically in southeastern Wisconsin, but really all throughout the, uh, you know, the eastern portion of the state, it's been heavy, been real heavy. So, man, oh, man, it's uh, – <laughs> I saw the highway was shut down because of flooding, uh, there's a school near my house where the school bus was actually trying to get into the parking lot, and it uh, got picked up and washed over a little bit. Um, so I didn't check the radar today. I know it was raining on and off again yesterday, but uh, hopefully everybody's basement. I'm hoping my basement. I don't usually get a lot of water. I get a little trickle every now and then, but it was it was coming in. It was trickling in a little bit when I left. And uh, my, the the guy staying at my house, uh, the kids staying at my house, I should say. Uh, say, yeah, it's not bad. You know, it's not, you just got a little bit of water. It went straight to the drain. No big deal. But, uh, 
But yeah, it was it was kind of brutal. So hopefully everybody's got their basements dried out. Because man, that rain coming through. And it's supposed to rain, I think, coming through this weekend, this Sunday night. Uh there's gonna be some rain in the atmosphere for uh the Sunday night game as well. So uh got a lot of uh and we needed it, let's be honest. I mean, you know, we've had kind of a somewhat of a I know up north they haven't, but somewhat on the south portion of the state of Wisconsin, they've had somewhat of a dry summer. So uh anyway, that being said, I digress a little bit. Uh eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy coming up bottom of the hour. Grant Bill's going to be joining us as well. Want to say uh, and remind you, if you're looking for a good uh, pregame party or game party or what have you, Boondocks, Boondocks uh, out there uh, in uh, in Oconomowoc. County Road K is where you can find them. Great menu. They were just featured, I think, on Fox 6, if I'm not mistaken, for some of the barbecue and such that they have and a lot of the different dishes and the sliders and the fries, the sweet potato fries and everything. But a lot of good stuff over at Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and brews great place tom is is such a nice guy such a good guy to just go in and talk to and hang out with and his staff is unbelievably friendly good people over there that's boondocks burger barbecue brews all that kind of good stuff right out there in oconomowoc and county road k stop in tell them we said hi stone bank wisconsin to be exact stone bank wisconsin uh got an email here this is from our our good buddy mike Mike says, uh, how come Amari Rodgers is not being used in the offense more? Is he just simply that bad as a returner? He's not great. He's adequate at best. Is there anything dynamic about him? Otherwise, why is he taking up a roster spot? Um, After game one, that's an easy question to ask. Because there really wasn't any dynamicness to him. I did like the one punt return. Took it right up the gut. I enjoyed that. Took it right up the gut and picked up, I think, like 12 yards, something to that effect, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But that was it. Fair catch, uh, fair caught four of them, I think. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to the offense, there's there was nothing real dynamic there. He had the one carry uh, that got stuck and stopped, and that was, I think, negative yardage, if I'm not mistaken. But there, there was nothing else. They didn't use him as a, uh, as a wideout. He's more of a slot guy. They use Randall Cobb the majority of the day. But Amari Rodgers, yeah, just uh, when it comes to percentage of snaps for the Packers, Amari Rodgers, um, check in here real quick. Amari Rodgers did not see, wait a minute, is this right? Um, I don't think he saw much. No, he didn't see much in the way of uh, offense, we'll say. Hell, Jordan Love had five snaps, but nothing else. Yes, Ben, you were going to say something? He did not have an offensive snap. I don't think he did, yeah. Yep, nada. Now that I I look at it, he didn't have – I think the – actually, duh, the one – uh, carry for negative yards. That's not Amari Rogers because they put them both under A. Rogers. Um, I, that's Aaron Rodgers. That's the Aaron Rodgers carry when uh, he he got he was sacked four times, but the one time he tried to get around the outside, he got stuck. So Amari Rogers zero. He was not involved in the offense. That's a great question. So if he's not going to be involved in the offense, why is he taking a roster spot? Is he the only guy that can catch kicks and bunts? He was there as kind of the third running back, though. 
right? Just in case. So he's your punt returner, your kick returner, and your backup running back if needed. And they used him in, like, you know, wheel routes and, you know, end of rounds. And we saw a little bit of that in practice for for the training camp and such. And they kind of made him into that really poor man's version, Debo Samuel. But you thought you'd at least see him used in some facet, and they they didn't break that out of the playbook at all. But And, again, I'm not jumping to these – Massive conclusions after week one. Last year, the Packers got beat 38-3. to They got just, they got it handed to them. And then everything came back. I'm not saying that history is going to repeat itself and it's that easy. That after week one, they flip the switch and everything just kind of turns on. I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say is, I'm not panicking after week one. That would be a, an overassessment as well. So I, I think what you wait and see is, how do they respond? Now, it, <laughs> excuse me. Here's the thing. If they play really well against Chicago, which I think is to be somewhat expected, and then go and lay an egg again on the road in Tampa Bay, then you can say, okay, teams equal to or better than them, they're going to struggle with. As opposed to, hey, we we lost to a pretty good team in a really – energized atmosphere at their house. Okay, chalk it up. And now we've righted the ship, and now we're going to start trudging along. If they can't get past Chicago and Tampa Bay and then begin to move forward and and, and look good doing it, then you then you can kind of raise your eyebrow and go, okay, this, this is not what was expected. And I certainly expected more offensively out of this team. We'll talk about the loss a little bit more, a little more in depth. Uh, i got Grant Bills, uh, the Wisco Sports Show, right here at WKTY in La Crosse, which is where we're broadcasting from today. He is going to join us coming up next. Stay tuned. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. out here. Thanks uh, so much for paying attention to us. We certainly uh, always appreciate you taking a listen to us and joining us here in studio, uh, Grant Bills of the Wisco Sports Show and uh, on the uh, Bud Light live stream as well. How you been, man? It's been good. It's a little quieter here than last time you were here for Oktoberfest last year. Right. It's, just, it's madness. It's yeah. a little bit easier to just mosey around they downtown. They want me to come back and... for that, and I'm trying to schedule everything because I've got a trip to Viroqua planned, yeah. and they want me to come back for uh, a show that you do where they tap something. I don't know. Oh, the tapping is. of the golden keg. Tapping yeah. of the golden keg. They want me to come back for that. And then there was some other stuff they wanted me to do, and I'm trying to figure it all out. Well, you're in demand. And uh, so I, I want to come back. I want to hang. I, we had a great time. Um, it's a lot, though, isn't yeah. it? I, and I live here. I'm used to it. And every year I'm like, man, this is it's madness. But, yeah, we do the tapping of the golden keg, and that starts like 545 a.m. Where's, that, where's that at? 
Well, we'll be at Sloopy's. Right. Every place does their own thing, and, and then they march the golden keg, you know, all around town, right. so it moves around. But WK2I's done their thing at Sloopy's, and I got to be there, I think, that Friday morning at, like, 5.45, quarter yeah. to 6. They open, and people start drinking. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. I, uh, I remember hearing the broadcast out of Sloopy's last year. There really wasn't much of a broadcast. It was, it was just a party. A, it was just basically <laughs> dropping a microphone in yep. to a bunch of hammered people. Yeah, at 6 and, in the morning. And bands. Yep. And that's what it was. And it was like, okay, this is serious. Yeah, Yeah. well, and that's, I'm kind of looking forward to Fest this year because we'll just let Ebo handle the morning show. Right. From the comfort of his studio. And I'll just go hang out with listeners. We don't have to worry about the broadcast. Because it's nuts. It's hard to do a radio show when there's dozens of hammered people or hundreds of hammered people around here. Yeah, there was more than dozens, I was yeah. going to say. That was, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt. A little bit more than that. So give me your assessment of what we witnessed in Minneapolis this past weekend. <sighs> Whatever. It's better than last year, right, I guess. I guess. I, yeah, it's better than last year. I guess we'll take that. I, I don't know. There was a couple plays in the first half. I mean, if Watson catches that touchdown and they punch it in from the one-yard line, which neither one's crazy, right? It's not like right. it, that's unrealistic of those two plays to go better. I mean, the Packers could have been tied or, or leading going into halftime. So as frustrating of a game as it was, and it certainly reminded us of last year, I just, you know, if one or two plays go differently in the first half, that ball game is really different. And, you know, as much as we complain about the defense, Bill, and it looked bad and they gave up a million yards to Justin Jefferson, they only gave up 23 points to a right, really good right. offense in a really difficult place to play. So right. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to downplay kind of how frustrating it was and and how inept the offense was at times but i don't know it's fine it was better than last year and i like i had listeners tell me last night they're going six and eleven i'm like can we we calm no. down a little bit no just i would bit. be shocked if they did that yeah. yeah if they end up with only six wins in the season now the discussion being um the you know jair alexander on justin jefferson the yeah. adjustment was made far too late in the ball game and do you agree with that yeah, I, I just think for whatever reason, all the defensive backs were like half asleep in the first half. <laughs> like, they just weren't paying attention. They were just making simple errors. I, I don't know. The, the Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson thing reminds me of anytime you have an NBA playoff series. Yeah. And somebody goes off against the Bucks, and then everybody asks, well, why didn't you put Giannis on him? It's like, well, yeah, I guess that's easy to talk about. I don't know if it's easily executed. I don't know. I'm not a defensive coordinator, but... I'm I'm obviously I understand why people want Jair on him, but it's not always that easy, right? Defensive coordinators like to use those guys all right. over the place and I, I don't know, but it's like nobody else was awake. Like Eric Stokes was botching simple coverages. Nathan that Amos was one thing asleep. that I think people uh don't really get was last year he was so good. Yeah. And you thought pair him with Jair, man, mm-hmm. and he's it, people obviously forgot all about Kevin King because this guy is coming and set the world on fire. And then he had a game that did not look good at all. No. And all of a sudden, people are going, "Where's Kevin King? Is yeah. he still alive?" You know, because not that you want Kevin King back, but yeah. But uh, but boy, Stokes did not have a good game. Well, I think Sunday showed us, and I think Adrian Amos talked about this, and I heard it in one of Mike Clemens' updates yesterday too. A defense can be really good, and ten guys can do the exact right thing, but if one guy botches right. his assignment or falls asleep, it brings it all crashing down. And I, I just think mentally they were a little cloudy, and there were just a lot of boneheaded errors. It's not like. Every other corner and, and safety stinks compared to Jair. They have a lot of good options, but they just for whatever reason, they weren't really dialed in. And then the second half, I think they just woke up a little bit. And they used Jair a little bit more on, on Jefferson. But I just think the whole defense woke up a little bit and got dialed in. And that made a huge difference as much as Jair going on Jefferson. With Jake Hansen struggling in pass protection <laughs> and that right side of the line not being good, do you think And we what we witnessed last year in the final game when they got beat, when they put the starters back in, they obviously don't mm-hmm. have Lucas Patrick and such and Billy Turner and the backups, the backups are gone. And so 
Do you think that Matt LaFleur is a little too stubborn with the offensive line and not making an adjustment when needed? I don't know what it, I said yesterday on my show, uh, or maybe it was, who was I talking to? Was I talking to Ben about this? He'd be a terrible baseball manager. Like, if you give Matt LaFleur I one game. I heard this. I was driving down from yeah, Montclair last that's right. night. Yeah. And it's like, if you gave him one game and he had to start the right guys, like, it's it just hasn't seemed to be his thing with the offensive line. But Stenovich is there. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Is Stenovich signing off on Jake Hansen? I don't know. I thought we loved Zach Tom. So I. And, well, Caleb Jones is now up. So yeah. uh, they, they brought a guy with a mountain uh, yeah. that's now pack and punch. So we'll see. I don't know if it's an adjustment thing. I just, I don't know. Give me Zach Tom over Jake Hansen. We love Zach Tom in camp and in yeah. preseason. I, I don't know. That seemed bizarre. Is it difficult to switch an offensive lineman in the middle of the game? I, You know what? I don't know. And I also think the logic is this is a big game and a crazy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. This is not what you want to do with a rookie and just throw sure. him in. And I understand that yep. logic. but. Once things started to erode, I think, yeah, first of all, you got to protect the franchise. You, yeah. you know, Jake Hansen may have been good against the run, don't get me wrong, but the number one thing you do as an offensive pass lineman block. is pass block for Aaron Rodgers and don't get the guy killed. And that mm-hmm. right side of the line was just getting demolished. It's not good. It was not good. And I, I don't know, if you ask Matt LaFleur about it, and if you talk to a football coach, they'd probably say, fans are dumb. You're not going to switch your offensive line right. in the middle of the game. It's not that easy. I, I don't know. I would just prefer that he starts the correct guy at the beginning of the game because he seems to be really bad at that. Right. Like starting, who was it? Kelly, Dennis Kelly in a playoff yep. game over Yash Nyman or whoever. Lots of examples. It's probably difficult to adjust. I'd just rather he gets the guy right from the jump. It would save us a lot of time and, and struggle. And then, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a couple of Aaron throws. The Christian Watson drop, which was huge. I. Yeah. It just looked like a team that came out – I. They came out energized in the beginning. You watched them run out of the tunnel. You watched the the amped-up atmosphere on the sideline, and it was like after that opening drive and then the Christian Watson drop, the wind went out of the sails. I I just – there was just a feeling about that game. And I was sitting there talking to a couple of people that were around me, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, does this just seem like they've just – like somebody hit the power switch? Yeah. I'm. You know, we talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers' body language. I think it's a little bit overblown. What do you want? Do you want him to smile? It's the same all the time. Yeah. Like, do you want him to smile all the time when he's on the field? Like, that's that's not really how it works. But I I think that maybe with rookie wide receivers and that drop, maybe the intensity of Rodgers and he expects perfection. Well, like, maybe you got to laugh about that. Like, maybe you got to get back to the sideline and be really lighthearted about it. Maybe that's the approach. And maybe they were so serious in that one mistake like just ticked everyone off to such a degree that it really tanked the rest of the first half. And the game was, it wasn't over in the first well, half. Rogers, but it was in that post-game presser when he talked about mental mistakes and preparation. He mm-hmm. seemed like he, he seemed like what was, what he was saying was very minuscule tip of the iceberg because it seemed like just the way he delivered it uh-huh. was whatever's brewing below the surface. He yeah. was pissed. That the, the, we came into this game and we weren't prepared. Why is it always, always after the game, though? Like, think back to Lafleur's first year when they lost to the Chargers in that game that we couldn't believe. Yeah. And then after the game and all the pressers, it's, well, we had a bad week of practice and we prepared poorly. Right. Like, well, what You guys seemingly understand this before the game. Right. Like, the way you speak about the preparation and the practice, it sounds like you, you felt terrible about this all along, right? So why, I don't know, why didn't you do something about it last week? Right. Why didn't you, I don't know, the, the retroactive, we had a bad week of practice, we prepared poorly, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't love it. It's just, it's classic though. You know, you lose a game and well, we should have done this to prepare. It's easy to say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that, that was bizarre. I think you got to be more lighthearted with these rookies. They drop a pass. You got to laugh it off. And I think that's the approach he has to take. Yeah. I think that's going to work best I, with these I, guys. Yeah. The, uh, the return to the huddle had to be unbelievably uncomfortable for Christian Watson. These guys already got to stick up their butt. Like imagine how, how 
freaked out Watson and Dobbs are, knowing that their rookies are playing in this crazy yeah. environment they're expected to perform, and Rodgers is all over them. Like, they know the stakes. I, I don't think they need extra pressure from Rodgers. You need to laugh about that stuff. Yeah. You need to joke about it, and that's just really not how Rodgers is wired. The, uh, when we get, and I said this earlier today. You had your Michael, you had Greg, you had James, you had Jordy, mm-hmm. you had Donald. Anytime a new receiver came in, you always had those guys. Mm-hmm. This year, you don't have Devontae, and you're relying on three rookies. Yeah, uh, Alan Lazard's not even there, uh, an aging Randall Cobb, and a bunch <laughs> of other dudes, and an Amari Rodgers who's not even finding his way onto the field offensively. Man. That's what you're relying on. And then we keep saying, and I look, I, I was one that started to drink the Kool-Aid with Robert Tanyan and, you know, throwing yeah. the backs out of the backfield. And I still think it's going to work. But the difference in what people don't understand is because, you know, Matt LaFleur jokes about, well, you know, I guess if we played preseason, but then again, the Vikings didn't either. It worked yeah. for them. But they have Adam Thielen. They have Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. They have Irv Smith Jr. They have Dalvin Cook. Guys they them. have Mattis. They, all those guys are there, and they've yeah. got great weapons. They don't, they don't have, <laughs> their weaponry on, in Green Bay is nowhere near that. No. And so I'm not saying, you know, preseason games were the way to go, but it might have at least for a half of football might have. given you a look of some of the things that might not work. Yeah, and I think, look, we, we had three drives. The drive where they scored the touchdown in the third quarter, the drive in the second quarter they were stuffed on the goal line, and then there was a drive in the fourth quarter, the fourth down pass right. to Tony. And the, those drives, it, it looked like they, they had a recipe, right? You spread the ball around to everyone. You get Tunyon involved. You get the backs involved. And the rest of the game, it seems like Rodgers and the offense went away from that. He wanted yeah. to look for his guy, his read, and run around. And that's just that's not going to work this year, right? He's going to need to take a little bit of a different approach. And I hate to say it, but Watson was open a lot. Like, you were at U.S. Bank. The, the clips that yeah. I saw off of people who do the film yeah. breakdowns, it's like, what a great breakout of this route. What a great – like, he can get open. Rodgers is going to have to throw him the ball. He's going to have to throw him. He's going to have to trust him. But yes. the, 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 the stigma that came with Christian Watson when they drafted him was mm-hmm. – he drops the football, mm-hmm. and we saw that. Give me your thoughts on the upcoming game on Sunday night, uh, Packers and Bears, I Bears think, at Lambeau Field. Yeah, I think it'll be really similar to last year. The Packers got blown out week one, and then they came back on Monday night football against the Lions, and they, they got it done, but it wasn't great. I feel like kind of a similar thing happens on Sunday night. Like, they'll beat the Bears, but it'll maybe feel a little bit harder than it should. Bears are going to have a little experience in the rain if it does rain yeah. at Lambeau Field because they just came out of a game in which they had to swim through it. And they're going to have moxie and confidence. I still don't think the Bears are any good. I don't either. But but they don't need to think that. Like no. They think they're the greatest team ever. They oh, just knocked off the, yeah. the, dart, the San Francisco Niners. The verbal slobbage that's going on down in Chicago yeah. right now for ju- for Justin Fields. <laughs> I was listening to it coming in this morning. I'm like, holy crap. When I was waking up, taking a shower, I was listening mm-hmm. to flipping around sports talk. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. You know, no wonder. Well, like, and I saw tweets from the score 670 they're like where are the bears on the power rankings now it's like geez but yeah but then again if the bears believe it and the players think they're great and this team is is being slept on that's all that yeah. needs to happen so i i think it'll be very similar to packers lions last year where the packers will win but it'll it'll take a little while and it'll probably be frustrating uh let's do this we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break good to talk to you man thanks for yeah. swinging by i thanks know you got some me. meetings to get to but uh, good stuff yeah have a good time on lacrosse there this you go it. grant bills of the wisco sports show joining us for a couple of minutes stay tuned more of the bill michael show coming up next This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, 
Here's Mike Clemens. The Packers return to practice tomorrow to get ready for Sunday night football here at Lambeau Field against the Chicago Bears. Green Bay gave up nearly 400 yards total offense in their 23-7 loss to the Vikings. Packers defensive back Eric Stokes says the loss was not as bad as last year's 38-3 loss at the hands of the Saints week one. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got to, just like last year, to where the Saints did it. And then this year, like, this is pretty much our same model. Like, we got 16 more games. We can't dwell our head on this one, hold our head, none of that stuff. We got to move on. We got to, again, we got a North opponent next week, Sunday night, home home opener. It don't get better than that. But isn't the loss to the Vikings more significant since they're in the same division, the NFC North? You know what I'm saying? It's just one game. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's one game, the first game of the regular season. Like, hey, man, we... Hey, it, what happened last year? Look at this last year. Like, hey, it is what it is. Like, you got to move on. We got 16 more games. Like, we can't dwell our head on none of this. Just keep pushing. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. Certainly, I think a lot of our veterans, yeah, I don't think this isn't their first rodeo. And this is not the first time they've suffered a defeat. But it's always interesting to see how young guys respond to a defeat or not playing your best. And so you got to be critical, but at the same time, you still got to try to put your armor on these guys. That's Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. One thing you learn when you travel the state of Wisconsin is how much you love Christmas in so many different ways. Uh, Whether it's just fueling up or it's uh, stopping in and getting something to eat, Uh, some things to take back to the hotel room. Uh, This is my... What is my third hotel room in three days, and I'm heading north tonight, so I'm going to be using Quick Trip yet again. But if you're feeling adventurous and you're ready to get to the off-road, maybe off-grid, the Mountain Dew pull tab game right now from Quick Trip, you can be adventure-ready in a Winnebago Revel. Play the Mountain Dew pull tab game at Quick Trip and use your Quick Rewards app for a chance to win a fully equipped four-wheel drive Winnebago Revel. I'm not kidding. That's right. Earn extra plays when you purchase Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew Energy, Bubbler, Muscle Milk, Evolve Beverages, all with your Quick Quick Rewards app, and you're going to go. Uh, this is such a cool thing. If you've never seen one of these uh, Winnebago Revels, they're really nice, man. Play, uh, play it daily in the Quick Rewards app for a chance to win the four-wheel drive, fully equipped Winnebago Revel, and stop in and use our friends at Quick Trip. Love Quick Trip. Love it. Big-time stuff. Thanks to our friends over there at Quick Trip. Um, an interesting question popped up, and I wanted to get back to this. And it said, um, and this is over on the Bud Light live stream. And if you're following us uh, in many different facets, whether it's on the app or whatever, you can always follow us on the live stream uh, on uh, YouTube. You can watch the show daily there, or you can always follow it over on uh, over on Facebook uh, Facebook Live. On the Facebook fan page, you can follow us on Twitch, and there's a link that pops up when the show goes on the air over on Twitter as well. But this one's from Thomas, who says, do you have any sense of where Watson's head is at? I mean, we all saw the drop. Does he have the capacity to move past that? First of all, he better, okay? But do I know where his head is at? No, I think, and the way I described this uh, during training camp, when you're a rookie and you, <laughs> excuse me, have that much pressure on you to come in and play well, 
And like I had stated before, you don't have Donald, you don't have Greg, you don't have Jordy, you don't have Jermichael, you don't have Devontae, you don't have any of these guys now, okay? The safety blankets are gone. you got three rookies that you are saying, guys, normally you come in and you take over and you just get that time, but instead, nope, nope, you can't do it, okay? Um, right now you're trying to learn the route. You're trying to learn the window that Aaron Rodgers wants to throw into. You're trying to learn the timing. You're trying to get that symbiotic relationship with him you're trying to get that into it and you're just trying to learn your route the last thing in the world you're worried about right now is catching a football and a guy that has had the propensity in the past to catch the football it it, the, the concentration has to be there can he get past it yes but it starts to come natural in game four and five and six it's how quickly he can adjust so we will see we will see couple hours down halfway through the program a couple more yet to go stay tuned a whole lot more of the bill michael show it's coming up right after this the bill michael show podcast listen rate subscribe